0: This is a GRDC podcast.
1: Grain growers and farm advisors who'd like to get involved in a national research project aimed at substantially lifting crop yields are being encouraged to join the National Hyper Yielding Crops Initiative. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. To be run over four years across five states, New South Wales, the three southern states and Western Australia, Australia. The project is GRDC's new research investment aimed at closing the yield gap, the difference between potential yield and what's actually harvested. For this project, wheat, barley and canola are the focus crops. To find out more about the project, Dean Alan Craig spoke to project leader Nick Poole from Far Australia and tech crops John Midwood, who's the project's extension coordinator. First up, though, it's Nick Poole yes uh,
0: the hyper yielding crops initiative is a is a national project um, that stretches from basically the east coast to the west coast um, but but focusing on the high rainfall zone what it's about is trying to improve our productivity uh, increase our yields and close what we believe is a significant yield gap in parts of the high rainfall zone.
2: So why is there a need for this national Hyper Yielding Crops initiative, Nick?
0: Well, one of the great things that encouraged us about the previous project, which has just come to an end, which is, was the Hyper Yielding Cereals project, that was just based in Tasmania. But uh, that project attracted in its final uh, field day year, uh, back in November 19, 60% of those that attended actually came from mainland Australia. So we knew that there, were, there was huge interest in this concept of lifting productivity in the high rainfall zone. With the higher yield potential the project team are convinced that we've got some real ability to close the yield gap in these regions and lift productivity but not only just lift productivity but to stabilize productivity it's no good having uh, varieties that are boom and bust so you know they perform well one year and then not the next so we've got this uh, focus on uh, trying to look at improving yields but also stabilizing
2: them well, John Midwood, why is it a, a seeing-believing sort of project? We we heard that expression with the cereals initiative down in Tassie, but again here I understand you really want people to see and believe and get involved.
3: It is it is really important that uh, for people to believe in these the yield potentials that we talk about, and 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 then that, that using that as a means to close the yield gap, that they actually see this actually happening in reality and. You have the opportunity to see it both uh, in a trial situation on the research centres, but really importantly, and the, probably the big move away from where we were with the previous project, is that we're now taking this research to upscale it on farm. And what, what that's enabling us to do is to put some paddock-based trials in that are going to answer some of the questions that growers have on their property in their environment.
2: The cereals project, which we've heard you talk about it before, how, how does this new initiative differ from that very successful Tasmanian project?
0: Clearly, as, as John says, we, it's no point doing research unless we can actually scale up those findings and improve uh, productivity on farms. So, the, as John said, we've got this uh, focus on trying to upscale the results. But clearly the project is uh, a national project now that actually involves a much wider group of collaborators. And we're thrilled to have on board some key uh, researchers, the uh, Kenton Porkers, Rowan Brills and John Kierkegaards of this world to be part of this project as well. So not only a wider group of key individuals, but also um, wider group of collaborators in terms of SARDI, uh, Deepard,
3: and Syro, and also, you know, it's probably important just to say that across that that region, the regions we've got five grower groups that are, or, or grow groups uh, that are covering that. So the Mackillop Group, Riverine Plain, Stirling to Coast, and Southern Farming Systems. So that's that's a real uh, down to earth approach. That's a uh, grassroots approach, if you like, and. Um, But but we're also going to be looking to step outside the membership of those grower groups and bring in agribusiness uh, clients as well. So the beauty of this is that it's open to anybody that's interested in closing the yield gap.
2: Well, we're here today in uh, a beautiful property in in southern Victoria, not not far out from the back of Geelong, and and, and we see a really intensive research effort here, don't we? Small plots, each labelled with with a small white uh, picket. and it goes on for hectares, it's mighty impressive. But but in terms of those who will get involved across the nation, John, perhaps you could tell us, well, what is the involvement that is going to be required of them? Will they all need to do this sort of intensive research effort or it is it a broader farming research effort?
3: Yeah, no, really good question. The, the, the research centres provide the focus for detailed examination of cultivars, of, of, of disease management, of nitrogen management, and you can't do that other than in a small plot scale environment. That's the that's the core data that we can go forward with. But in terms of what we're looking and the seeing is believing, as we talked about before, that's going to people's paddocks and setting up some trials in their paddock. And so, the project has five project officers that are supported by those grower groups that I spoke about earlier on, and they will be assisting the growers to put those trials together in their paddock so that we get some meaningful results. We're not we're not gonna, they won't be really intensive and that the idea is that we're gonna use grower machinery by and large to be able to do it. So a boom sprayer, a fertilizer spreader, a seed bar, uh, but but they will be answering the questions that they need to know in their area. In, in, in essence, what we're trying
0: to do is to create that whole community of interest in lifting productivity right the way across high rainfall zone and so it's got that scale up small research plots to the focus farms as john said uh, through to probably what we both feel is one of the new exciting elements of the project which are the hyc awards
3: yeah and so and so the awards are going to be the detail that we're able to um, extract uh, by paddock so we're looking for people to nominate wheat paddocks in 2020 and we're looking for 10 paddocks per region, so 50 in total across the national project. And the report that people get out of that and the uh, excitement and enthusiasm that will bring to each individual grower so that they can benchmark their agronomic performance in their paddock compared to a regional standard and a national standard is gonna be quite unique. And I
0: think one of the things that we're, we're very mindful of, this isn't about Tall poppies, you know, this is about trying to build a whole community of interest, not just with what went right, but what can sometimes go wrong. We can learn as a group far more from those situations. So the HYC awards might sound as if it could be tall, tall poppy syndrome but it's not at all, it's part of this network of lifting productivity. It
2: sounds really a, about
0: sharing, doesn't it? Sharing the
2: learning, both failures and successes, so that uh, not only individual growers can improve their, their yield and their quality, therefore their profitability, yeah. but this is, this is an industry-wide initiative. Would it be fair to say this is one of the most intensive focuses we've had uh, in terms of research.
3: We're all familiar with the research and you, and you have to have the research as the basis for the information going forward. But what's really unique about this is the DNA, D&E, the development and extension component of this project. And people will have the most detailed report they've ever had about their crops and growing their crops. And to be honest, the initiative at the moment is across the high rainfall zone. Why can't it be the medium rainfall zone and even the low rainfall zone going further forward because actually the way that we're looking to put the awards together is is comparison to uh, the potential yield which we're going to come up with a formula as to a believable potential yield that people can get in their area. And it's really important as Nick said, this isn't about who's got the, the best yield, yes we're interested in what's possible but really importantly if you have constraints on your property we're going to have a potential yield that is relevant to your property, your rainfall, your soil type, your constraints. Mm. And so if you can get the best yield percentage of that potential, then we want to know about it because we want everyone else to know about it. And the beauty of this is, is not only can we do this regionally, but we can do it nationally across the high rainfall zone. I think that that's where,
0: when you mention benchmarking, the instant thought is it's economic benchmarking. And whilst we're keen to look at the profitability of those crops, it's that agronomic benchmarking that we see as the key difference within this project. An opportunity for you know, top farmers to look and compare and bring in other growers and advisors and say, this is the component that is the biggest lever between why we're not attaining the full potential that we could.
2: Nick, can we just nail down on a bit of detail here in the research, which crops and what research themes will you be including in these trials?
0: Well, the, the, the great thing about the Hyper Yielding Project is that the research centres have the freedom to actually look at all of the major levers that we might want to explore. So whether it's germplasm, whether it's aspects of management of nutrition, whether it's disease management, stand in power. Uh, growers and advisors linked through what John's talked about in terms of these grower innovation groups can come look at the centre and see all of these things taking place. So this the themes around all of those different aspects of growing the crop can be seen in one place on the research centre. So we've got the research themes around germplasm and management, but we've then also looking at this not only on feed wheat as we were in Tasmania, but we're looking at both feed and quality wheats, feed and quality barley's and canola this time around.
2: Well, John, what sort of commitment time-wise will be required if, if growers out there are thinking, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind being involved in this. What what realistically are they going to be committing to?
3: So initially the growers would become part of an, one of the innovation groups. And, and it's really important to just say at this stage that we don't want the groups to be too large because it's really important that people are happy to go and discuss the good and the bad of what's going on. So there will be a number of uh, growing innovation groups that'll be spread around. In terms of the, the time commitment to those groups, we're looking at this stage to have probably two paddock walks. We're not looking at this being a, uh, a workshop or, or, or something inside. This is about coming and you know pulling your boots on and getting out in the paddock, looking at crops, hearing what other growers in the region and what issues are you finding, and also importantly linking with that research centre. So we do hope that one of those. Uh, crop walks during the season will be to come to the local research centre to hear what the issues are. You know we've looked today at at a little bit of stripe rust coming into a variety of wheat. That's the kind of information that I think how good would it be for those growers to come along to the site to to speak to to Nick and his staff and say this is an issue we've got, okay so what are you going to do about it? Then they can go back to their farm and look at their situation. So from a time point of view probably two crop visits during the year and then we'd hope that at the end of the season once we have the results from both the awards the the results from the focus farm trials and the results off the research centers that we would bring that all together uh, probably in March of the following year to have a results day and then really tease out everything that we've talked about.
2: You've got one story i'd like you to tell us about a recent result uh, of a high yielding uh, performance okay not in australia but not far away just across the ditch uh, an extraordinary result in terms of of high yield and uh, why not take this learning on board
0: uh, absolutely uh, eric watson um, who uh, was actually one of our guest speakers at uh, hyper yield in cereals a couple of years back has just broken the world record for wheat at uh, an amazing 17.39 tonnes a hectare, which is just just incredible. But I I think the real story there uh, is is very much the fact that the same gentleman broke the record two years ago with what then seemed an amazing yield of, uh, I think, 16.79 tonnes a hectare. And I think what we can all learn from Eric and what he's achieved is, sure, 17 tonnes is probably a bridge too far for us here in southern Victoria, but I think what we can learn from that is that it would have been easy for Eric to have rested on his laurels back in 2018 and said, well, 16.8 tonnes a hectare, I don't think that's too bad. But what he noted was that with a bit more attention to detail in the uniformity of his nutrition and how he applied it, that he could have actually he could actually improve on that and he then went on to prove that that was costing him 0.6 tonnes a hectare. So even the Eric Watsons of this world, the irrigated wheat, Canterbury Plains of New Zealand, still had something to learn to lift his productivity for the following year. And if you look at the recent, conclude, well, recent, it was a, a, a report that uh, uh, CSRO did um, four years ago, where they said that one of the major things that was responsible for the yield gap in the high rainfall zone was actually the timing of inputs and that attention to detail that, Uh, was probably holding some uh, growers back and uh, we're hoping that this project between what uh, John's outlined and the research can actually go some way to giving everybody the opportunity to get involved in this community of trying to lift the productivity.
2: Well gentlemen, best of luck with the National Hyper Yielding Crops Initiative. John, just finally if people are interested uh, in getting involved or finding out more about it, who should they contact?
3: So uh, the best thing to do would be to contact their individual project officers in their area. So there's one person involved in the five states and I'm sure that information will be available somewhere. Um, and of course, uh, I'm sure Nick or I would be only too happy to um, take a phone call from somebody and, um, and explain the situation uh, you know, to get people on board, because that's what we want. John,
2: Nick, thanks for your time. It's been fascinating.
3: Thank you, Dean.
1: Dean Alan Craig, who was talking with John Midwood at the end, and Nick Poole. Nick is the overall project leader of the National Hyper-Yielding Crops Initiative and John Midwood, the project's extension component. For more information, you can contact John Midwood at TechCrop and Nick Poole at Far Australia. Their contact details are in the podcast show notes, which you'll find online at the GRDC. I'm Tony Crowley. Thanks for listening.